0: Our special guest this time is Michael Wilder, so stay tuned for Polygamy, What Love Is This? A few times in the past year since we've started doing these programs, We have invited a a group of young men on our show to tell their story of their journey out of Mormonism. And years ago, uh, they organized into an awesome and inspiring music group called the Adams Road Band. Now, most of our viewers have probably uh, heard of them or even attended some of their events. They are responsible for bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to uncountable numbers of people around the country and even around the world. And God has used them in very powerful ways to bring folks into the truth of the biblical gospel and the biblical Jesus. I'd like to introduce our special guest this time, who is a member of the Adam Rhodes Band, Micah Wilder. And we want to talk about his recently published book, Passport to Heaven. Thank you, Micah, for coming.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You're in a very busy time right now. and, And so, you know, you're taking time out of your busy schedule, but we really appreciate it. Absolutely. And I'm sure our viewers will be pleased when they see what you hear what you have to say um, now in case our viewers are not familiar there might be a few who are not familiar with you or your ministry or your story explain your music ministry very briefly in your website where they can get more information
1: yeah, so our group's called Adams Road, and we're based in Winter Garden, Florida. And we were founded in 2006 uh, when all of us left the LDS Church and came into the biblical faith in Jesus Christ alone. And so we've spent the last 15 years traveling all over North America, sharing the gospel through song and testimony. And so you can find all the information on our ministry at AdamsRoadMinistry.com.
0: Adams Road ministry, and it's yep. a very informative website. I advise you to go there. And you're on your Western tour right now.
1: Correct. Yeah, we're right here in the state of Utah preaching the gospel.
0: Yeah, okay, that's great. You're doing very well. Are you tired?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Things are going well. We're about uh, five and a half weeks into an eight-week trip. Wow. And uh, we've seen uh, just incredible fruit from the gospel, a lot of people that God is rescuing out of darkness and bringing into His marvelous light. So it's been an encouraging trip for
0: us. That's great. And I invited you here today, in between events, mm-hmm. to discuss a book that you recently uh, published, one that you wrote about, which is your journey in uh, out of Mormonism and into the biblical gospel and the biblical Jesus. It was released in June, and it's entitled Passport to Heaven, and hopefully our discussion of your book and maybe just picking little pieces out of it and talking about it will we'll, uh, encourage our viewers who haven't read it yet to get a copy and to read it and, uh, and find out about your amazing story, things they probably didn't know already, showing once again that truth is really stranger than fiction <laughs> and more interesting. So uh, before we get into talking about the contents of your book, explain why you wrote it.
1: Yeah, so when I came to Saving Faith in Christ in January of 2006 and I had left my LDS mission, uh, I immediately felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to begin writing the experience and and the change that God had made in my life uh, throughout the course of my two-year mission. And so when I was undergoing this process of coming to know the gospel through reading the Word of God, I was a meticulous note-taker. And so for two years, I'd been journaling daily the experience that I I was undergoing, and it ended up with about a thousand pages or more of journal entries. And so I had all of this written down, and I felt moved to, to put my story into a kind of a cohesive manner so that i could share my testimony of the gospel the grace of god and so within days after coming home from my lds mission i sat down opened my journals and just started to write um, these experiences and formulate you know an outline of what i felt were the most impactful parts of my testimony and the scriptures and the experiences that Mm -hmm. i had undergone and so i uh, spent almost 15 years doing that. It was a labor of love. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I knew that God was calling me to write a book, but I didn't know the timing of it. And I oftentimes felt inadequate, you know, incapable of, of doing it and, and kind of forgot to trust fully in the Lord. And so mm. I had these moments mm. where I felt very good about it and other moments where I'd step away from it, even for a year or two at a time. Mm. But I praised God that he was faithful and, and seeing me through that and that, that his grace gave me, you know, the strength that I needed right. in my weakness. And so, right. yeah, as you mentioned, it and just came And we know
0: is Tommy is perfect too, don't Absolutely.
1: We? <laughs> absolutely.
0: Where can someone get a copy of your book?
1: So you can get it anywhere the books are sold, Amazon, ChristianBook.com, um, Barnes & Noble, uh, anywhere the books are sold. And
0: they can order it off your website as well correct okay so you can go to, to passport to heaven um, book mm-hmm.
1: yes okay. Mm-hmm.
0: okay now you have been interviewed by dozens of people probably probably dozens of times since the book has come out I'm sure you've been pretty busy about that but and I don't want to be redundant in our discussion but I haven't talked to you about it yet yeah. so there are many questions and there's many, you know, impactful things in your story that touched my heart because I also come from the same kind of a background. Mm-hmm. Although it was polygamy, it was still Mormonism right. uh, and, and it's foundational. And And we don't mean to demean people, but we do want people to be able to share what we have shared in knowing the truth. Yeah. The true uh, Jesus and the true biblical gospel. And God did say to test everything. Yep. And you did that, and and I did that, and it's amazing what we find out. One of the main things that you've adopted for your ministry is the statement, Jesus is enough. It's a great statement. What is he enough for?
1: Yeah, so when I was growing up in Mormonism, right, Jesus was one part of a much greater whole that I needed to to be reconciled to God, right? So in order to have eternal life in the presence of God, Jesus was only part of my testimony, right? He was one of, I would say, five kind of principal pillars. Mm-hmm. And so when I read the Word of God as a Mormon missionary, I came to realize that Jesus fulfilled everything and accomplished everything that was necessary in order to, you know, reconcile mankind to God through his one act of righteousness on the cross. And so Jesus is enough is that we have an all sufficiency in Christ mm-hmm. that we cannot find anywhere else or or in anywhere else. And so that was my testimony was recognizing that I didn't need the Mormon church to be saved. I did not need any of these, you know, elements of the temples or the ordinances Mm -hmm. or or man-made, you know, religion in order to be right with God, that I could be right with God through Jesus Christ alone alone, and my uh, my salvation could be ensured through his blood.
0: And he is enough. He's enough for all of it. And with me, of course, it would be, you know, you don't have to do the polygamy. You don't have to do all the pain Mm -hmm. that comes with that. Now, the foreword of your book was written by Sean McDowell. And he made a statement, uh, which I want to quote, about you and your life. And he said, quote, Talking about you, he could have gone with the script that other people had for his life end quote, and that really impacted me because we had scripts for our lives that somebody else had <laughs> written. <laughs> yeah. Can you briefly say what the script was for your life
1: yeah i mean i I was the the prototypical latter day saint uh, living in Alpine, Utah. My mother was a professor at brigham Young university I had Um, A scholarship to Brigham Young University, I had, you know, a Mormon girlfriend and my plans to marry her in the temple and live out this uh, Mormon life with zeal and fervor. And it was the very core of my identity. And so... um, when I was faced with the reality of the gospel and the change that that had made in my life, there was a choice to make, as you know, and there's a cost that mm-hmm. comes for mm-hmm. our profession of faith in Christ alone, and that that cost can be different for different people. But for me, it meant that the foundation of the only life that I'd ever known and loved would 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 be removed forever. Yeah. I would never go back to that. I could never um have the the life that I had worked so hard to attain by my you know adherence to the laws and the ordinances of the Mormonism of, of Mormonism, and so. So <laughs> I knew that that script that had been written by the church, you know, mm-hmm. by my religion, exactly. uh, I would never live that out. But the, but the beauty, the beautiful thing about being in Christ is that God writes a new script for mm-hmm. us, and He gives us a new mm-hmm. heart and a new purpose. And so when we follow Him, we become a new creation. The old passes away, and the new comes. And then we follow Jesus in faithfulness, and and He gives us a life of abundance that's greater than anything that the world can offer, not in in a in a fleshly sense or in a, in a sense that can be measured by you know earthly treasures, but in a spiritual sense exactly. to have the the assurance that we've been adopted into the household of God been given the right to be called his child by faith and that we then can have our eternal inheritance in the kingdom of uh-huh. heaven
0: through, Je- through Jesus alone, exactly yep. uh, I want to quote from a chapter you entitled The Cross Okay. and in this passage you were facing a particularly difficult interview and you prayed mm-hmm. and this is part of what you prayed, quote God, what do I do now? Show me I beseeched as I flipped just two pages forward and my eyes caught this inspiring passage. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. God had answered my plea by giving me exactly what I needed to hear at the moment I needed to hear it. Jesus was worth the loss of all things because his love was all sufficient to satisfy my every need and grant me eternal life. Mm. Very profound. Very true. Very profound. Were you in a situation where you had to explain your choice to trust Jesus and the Bible alone or to possibly renounce your choice of Jesus?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I was facing... Discipline from my religious leadership, and I knew that I had the choice, and that choice was either to, you know, remain faithful to my testimony, of the gospel of Christ that had changed my life, or I could, you know, essentially renounce that testimony, continue to profess the the principal pillars of Mormonism, and uh, and but like Jesus says in Matthew 16, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? Yes. And so yes. I, I knew and had the assurance through the Word of God that I had found something in Christ that I couldn't find anywhere else, and so. even even if I gave up that relationship with Jesus and had the world to gain, I would still never be He'd satisfied. would still be the loser. Yeah. Exactly. And mm-hmm. so I found that Jesus is enough, that he is all sufficient, and that to have him is to have our every need.
0: Praise God. It's awesome. Um, Jesus is enough even during those kinds of, of situations and predicaments too, isn't he? Yeah. Chapter 3, you entitled God's Army. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God's Army is who? And... Do they designate themselves by that name?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the God's Army uh, refers to the um, the plethora of Mormon missionaries that are out and about worldwide going out proclaiming the message of Mormonism. And so it was a play on words based on a movie that I'd seen when I was in high school called, called God's Army about Mormon missionaries. And okay. so we saw ourselves as people that had been exclusively called and chosen by God to go out and proclaim this message of the restoration. Okay, so yeah. the God's
0: army of the missionaries was yep. out there doing these things, that, which you were part of. Uh, you got a letter from them telling the, telling you where you were going to go with mm-hmm. your script, the mm-hmm. script they had written for you, where you were going to go on your mission and when you would go. And part of the letter said this, and I quote, You have been recommended as one worthy to represent the Lord as a minister of the restored gospel. You will be an official representative of the church. As such, you will be expected to maintain the highest standards of conduct and appearance by keeping the commandments, living mission rules, and following the counsel of your mission president. As I read that, my word, my, my eyes f- f- fastened on three different statements in that uh, in that quote, explain what two of them are the what I want you to explain what worthy mm. and keeping the commandments meant in your religious environment yeah. and your ability to keep them.
1: Yeah. So the worthiness standard to be a missionary is, is very high. So there are certain um, laws and ordinances that you have to follow and perform. There's certain moral codes that you have to live and there's certain even dietary restrictions that you have to adhere mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. And so there is a worthiness that was this that was set by our ability to be obedient to the commandments of Mormonism. And so those commandments were having a testimony in Joseph Smith, in the Book of Mormon, in the modern-day prophet, in the church itself, um, being faithful to paying our tithing, being active in our church duties, uh, living out these moral codes and faithfully following, you know, Mm -hmm. all of the standards that had been set before us. And so in order to be a missionary and to be given that, special designation, you had to live those things out and be worthy of them. So
0: that's your worthy. And yeah. that keeping the commandments is making sure that you walk that path Absolutely. on a constant basis and never swerving right to left. Right. right? Um, the third st- of the three that that got my attention was the restored gospel. Yeah. Okay. What is the restored gospel and why do they claim it required restoration?
1: Okay. So simply put, the restored gospel is that Joseph Smith brought back elements that he believed were lost from the original apostolic church. And so they are kind of a a principal foundation of this restoration that included restoration of the priesthood authority, which was the authority to act in the name of God. And so along with that came the ordinances that were used with that authority that brought salvation to mankind. And so Jesus' work on the cross alone was not sufficient for mankind's reconciliation to God, we then have to add to that by performing and following certain ordinances. So that would be water baptism, the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, and then temple ordinances, marriage, and others that an individual would have to perform, not only on behalf of themselves, but then on dead people, for dead people as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's the principle of the restoration is that God now speaks through prophets and apostles through modern day revelation, Mm -hmm. and they can now direct the true church with. uh, revelation and scripture and doctrine and commandments now that are not written in the Bible. And so they don't see the Bible itself yeah, as sufficient, right. but that there are extra biblical scriptures that are continually being added to by these modern day prophets.
0: And so your job was to go out there and inform all the people of the, what you just told me and then show them all those new revelations and the new Mormon scriptures and all Correct. that comes with it.
1: Yeah, so as a Mormon missionary, our, our objective was to go out and to show people, especially Christians, that this foundation they had of faith in Christ alone through the word of God alone, that that was only part of what was necessary yeah. to have eternal life in the presence oh, of God. And so yeah. we claimed to have the fullness of the truth. And so we were going to add to what the Bible had you to say. we were going
0: to bring more people into that. Mm-hmm. So, Now, you wrote that you were taught to trust the revelation of your leaders mm-hmm. with unwavering loyalty. Now, in the polygamy groups, we were taught precisely the same thing, only we just had different leaders. Yeah. Yet in many things, leaders in the LDS church as well as in the polygamy groups taught opposing ideas from Mm -hmm. previous leaders. When did you realize that your LDS leaders were fallible and how how hard was that realization for you?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I I, I was so faithful in trusting my leaders. I I didn't see the contradictions that looking back now would have been so blatant to me. But one of of the, the few things that God, you know, did in my life was when I went on my Mormon mission, I was called to serve a mission in Mexico City, Mexico. And you'll read about this in the book. Mm -hmm. Well, there were events that transpired that ultimately caused my mission call to be redirected to Orlando, Florida. And so as a young man, that was confusing to me because I thought, well, if the prophet received a direct revelation and word from God himself to designate where I was supposed to serve my two-year mission, how could that change? Um, And so that began even in a small way, a little crack in the facade to say, well, well, why? Why would God, you know, have given my leader information that I now knew wasn't correct? Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Good question. But you didn't have an answer for it at the time. You just kind of put it aside. No,
1: I I ultimately submitted and trusted, you know, my leaders above anything and everything else. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. On pages 51 and 52, you write that you were called into the meeting... um, of the president of your mission, mm-hmm. and this was during this t- difficult time, and you said as you walked down the hallway to his office, you, there were pictures on the walls, mm-hmm. and and you discovered and noticed a profoundly difference, a profound difference in the biblical Christian portrayals mm-hmm. of Jesus compared to how Mormonism portrays him. Explain what that means. What were those differences, and does Mormonism actually worship a Jesus different than is revealed in the Bible?
1: Yeah. That's such a sensitive it you know question. But it, but it is an important question. And I have this moment where I'm walking down the hallway in the LDS chapel and I'm seeing portrayals of Jesus and, and it was really a spiritual Um, representation of the Jesus that I knew and avowed in Mormonism, I had recognized through 12 times reading the New Testament that the Jesus revealed in the Bible was not the Jesus that I had known and avowed in the Latter-day Saint Church. Mm -hmm. And it's because the nature of Christ was so different. You know, um, the, the nature of Christ in the Mormon Church is that He was a created being. Right, And that he was uh, exalted through his obedience yes, to the Father. And yes. that he became a God and was given that Godhood. And that he is the brother of Satan and the, the older brother of us. Of and god. that's how I saw him was this example. And yet we have this revelation of Christ through the Word of God. That he is the eternal God. Hmm. That, that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Hmm. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And that was Christ and that he's eternal and that he eternally fulfilled everything necessary for mankind to be saved through his work on the cross and that he alone was the only way to salvation i started to see that the jesus that i knew and loved in mormonism was so different than the jesus revealed in scripture but the jesus revealed in the bible is so much greater and infinitely greater and mm-hmm. he alone can save
0: yeah and their portrayals are physically yeah. are different than what he would have been even in his his culture yeah um On page 55, you said some LDS missionaries, I found this very interesting, Uh, some LDS missionaries, quote, targeted and hunted Christians. (laughs) Now, you said these were the Borgazzi and seasoned (laughs) missionaries. Explain what that's all about. Yeah, (laughs) well—
1: You know, our objective as Latter-day Saints was to bring people into truth and to bring people into truth that could have influence, right? Mm -hmm. So our mission president used to call it kings and rulers. He wanted us to focus on people that could have a massive influence over other people. So pastors naturally fit that definition because they had influence over entire congregations. Mm -hmm. And so our objective was... To bring them into a truth that we believe they did not already have. So even a pastor who you know had this authority to teach the word of God, that if he did not have the restored gospel, then he did not have the fullness of the gospel. Right. And so uh, yeah, it was it was kind <laughs> of a a thing that Mormon missionaries would do would specifically target Christians or pastors for the purpose of bringing them into truth, so that they then would have influence would have over influence. their sphere. Yeah. Oh,
0: okay. That that's a good answer. It's a good reason. <laughs> um, I loved. Uh, uh, thoroughly loved reading the the story and the interaction that you had with Pastor Shaw. Yeah. And at first you thought of his, him, as you wrote, as an uh, irrational nutcase. <laughs> he compared you with the Saul of Tarsus, uh, persecuting God's people, and then yeah. he prayed for you. Yeah. For your, For our listeners, um, briefly, we, we still have a, a few minutes, briefly explain your first encounter with Pastor Shaw, and would you say that his prayer for you was on the level of being prophetic.
1: Yeah. So my encounter with Pastor Shaw was very much by accident. We wandered in his church looking for a restroom uh, without realizing it was a church and he approached us and he approached me and he recounted the story of Saul of Tarsus, which even as a Mormon it's not a story that I was terribly familiar with, um, Mm -hmm. honestly. And so he shared this story and then he made a comparison to me as being like that of Saul of Tarsus.
0: And why why were you like him?
1: Well, because he saw me and recognized that I was somebody who was zealous for God and who was zealously going about doing something that I thought was serving God, when in reality, I was actually fighting against the very God that I was claiming to serve, just as Saul of Tarsus was going about persecuting the saints of God, thinking that what he was doing was serving, mm-hmm. you know, the true God of, of Israel. Okay. And so he made that comparison, and then he, he prayed over me, and he said, though you are now a Saul, you will one day be as Paul, a minister of the true gospel and word of God. And so I believe that he did speak prophetically in a sense that, you know, God... Was beginning to plant seeds in my heart that God was doing a work in my heart that would eventually open my eyes, just as Saul of Tarsus had yeah. that his blindness removed, you know, by Ananias to where he could finally see, and uh, and I had that spiritual, you know, blindness removed through the power mm-hmm. of the Word of God.
0: But at the time that that, that took place, your reaction—you don't hindsight is 2020, 20, obviously. Right. What did you think about all that at that time? Well, I was
1: offended by it. I mean, honestly, because it's like looking back, he was telling me that I was the bad guy, right? I mean, Saul of Tarsus is, is the bad guy in Saul's own conversion story. Right, and so right. uh, I, I was kind of offended by that. Um, but at the same time, it's important to note that when Pastor Shaw said these things, he did it with, with, with gentleness. I mean, he was very kind and respectful. It's just the truth itself really pierced and convicted me. And mm-hmm. uh, But I'm grateful that he had that love and that boldness and that he was willing to you know go out of his comfort zone to cause me to question my faith.
0: And God spoke through to you through him by by using that. Have you had yeah. have you had opportunity to see him and interact with him since? I have. Yeah, he still
1: happened? lives in Central Florida. So he only lives about 20 minutes away from me and uh, we have been continued brothers in Christ ever since.
0: I bet he was excited when he discovered your journey.
1: He was. The
0: turn that it took and that he was actually a part yeah. of that. It's very interesting. Um, now, when you were on your mission, again, I want to focus in a little bit, and we're going to be doing another segment of this, too, because we can't ask all the questions in one segment. Uh, but but we talked earlier about you targeting Christians mm-hmm. and pastors and so on. Uh, were you able to talk to very many Christians on your mission, and did they did they have good, meaningful conversations with you apart from the two pastors that were so...
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I, um, most of the Christians that I encountered would have been when I was knocking uh, doors uh-huh. and go to, mm-hmm. door, door to door doing tracting. Um, unfortunately, I had very few good conversation with Christians. Very few Christians who even were willing to talk to us um, and uh, probably maybe 10 people. You know, 10 encounters I had with Christians in two years that really Really? were positive and loving and and shared the gospel with me. Most of them just said, well, we're not we don't agree with what you guys are teaching. So we're not interested in your message. And then they would just kind of, you know, shut the door in our face. So Mm -hmm. most of them didn't want to engage with us in, in a loving dialogue to share truth. And that's why. Adam's Road does what we do, is, is we want to lovingly encourage people that we are to share the gospel, that when the lost come right to our door, I mean, what greater opportunity you know do we have to share our faith with those who need right, the saving right. gospel of Christ and to do so with gentleness and respect. And,
0: well, and the point is the word gospel means good news. Mm-hmm. And when we do bring the gospel and present it or introduce it, we need to be bringing it with the idea that it is good news yeah. not with anger or yeah. hatred or, and i know sometimes our passion will seem like that we're we're angry at some point i I've, I've been accused of that too yeah. however it's more my passion for the truth but still there are ways to improve in how yeah. we can present good news right and and people need to realize that's what it is good yep. news that's what it And is. i
1: think so many christians they, they don't feel equipped you know, to have yeah. those conversations. And so I think a lot of that speaks to our need as the body of Christ to be more equipped in the Word of God so that when God sends unbelievers to our doorstep, that we have that love, compassion, and ability through the Word of God to communicate that good news mm-hmm. to those who need it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and in a loving way, like you say, mm-hmm. not in a condemning way. Right. Not in a condemning way at all. Of course, I've had missionaries come to my door, and um, my focus is polygamy, obviously, right. and, and how... How can God change His mind? And they 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 can't have it. They don't have answers, yeah. and so they turn to me and say, "Well, I feel there's a spirit of, of
1: <laughs> contention. <laughs> contention
0: here. We better go." All that so anyway um, that's that uh, the questions I have now we need to wait and answer in part two because they're long and and, uh, and detailed and so uh, we thank you for watching uh, Michael Wilder's first interview and we do pray that, Uh, in the in the meantime between now and the next interview that you will search and do what the bible says and test everything to see if what you believe is true and god has given us the test i think Mm -hmm. that's very profound he didn't let us flounder around looking for where can i find the truth he gave it to us and that is our measure by which to test everything so thanks micah and we'll see you next time thank you appreciate it thank you
1: 425